Welcome. 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 Welcome to Baseball Mainly. Baseball Mainly. Baseball Mainly. Baseball Mainly. Welcome to Baseball Mainly. Hey, hello again. Welcome to Baseball Mainly. Uh, we're trying to figure out when we start talking here. And uh, <laughs> Angel, good, good thing Angel's in the control room. He gave me the gave me the signal, and here we go. And uh, you know, I'm just not as comfortable today. Corey's not here with us. No, he is not. He is uh, off doing a shoot. He was pro- He's probably been called back by uh, by Star- Starship Command, whatever it is for. <laughs> For Sir Patrick Stewart, but as usual with us today is Ethan the Statman Perlman. Welcome, and, Ethan. And I got a new look today. Yeah, I wasn't sure it was you. I thought uh, I thought we had a new uh, intern here, but it's starting to grow back in. It is. It is. You're not um, standing close enough to your razor. No. No. My my razor was actually dead. I am in the process of having it regain life i hadn't used the certain one razor for like a year so well you know uh, a while. Uh, they make uh, these things called blades that you could use yeah i got sensitive skin i like my razor i'm gonna stick with my razor i thought you were a sports guy you're supposed to be tough oh i am i just when it comes to my face i prefer no cuts that's why i'm not a boxer okay <laughs> Well, we have somebody very special in the uh, in the studio today. Somebody that uh, I admire uh, because of his profession, and also admire him because he's a baseball player. And that's uh, Kurt Sylvester, Hello, who Jess. I know from uh, the Men's Senior Baseball League. Uh, but uh, I'm sure a lot of our viewers and listeners know him as the uh, beat writer for the. Uh, Detroit Lions from the Detroit Free Press, now retired. That's rough. It's it's kind of nice, you know. It's kind of nice. Um, some of them might also remember me from from uh, from Page Football, where our opening line was "Hello again, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Front Page Football." <laughs> <laughs> so uh, and that was you and uh, Michael O'Hara. Yeah, and right. O'Hara. And and so was there any ever any animosity between you guys since you were with competing newspapers? Uh, well, there was plenty of that, but on the show we <laughs> kind of had to get along, and uh, and we had uh, I'll tell you one short story, one quick story. Uh, we had Monty Clark on one time, and Monty and, and Russ Thomas, of course, never got along, and we brought up the subject of Russ when we we're interviewing Monty. And uh, the question was something along the lines of, well, you know, there's a lot been written about it, how you two guys don't get along and have all your problems. And Monty said, well, he said, a lot of bad things have been written about Russ, but not nearly enough. (laughs) (laughs) And so, (laughs) and we both are sitting there with our jaws hanging open, did not expect that response, but uh, we had a little fun with it. And, and, you know, we all got along with Russ and Monty because we had to. Every time I think of Monty Clark, I think of that Eddie Murray kicked it, you know, while Monty's praying on the sideline. In San Francisco. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. I was there for that. And, Watching it, and, the, and of course you can't be a fan when you're when you're covering the team. But I think we all hoped that that Eddie would make that. He was a good kicker, and it was just a little wide, and it wasn't a gimme. It was a I don't know forty some yards, forty three yards, forty five yards, something like that. It was just wide. 
Yeah, well, I uh, happened to get to meet Eddie Murray here in uh, in the offices a few weeks ago uh, at nrmstreamcast.com. And what a nice guy. He is. Very nice man. Yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, Ethan, uh, our regular thing here is what happened on this day in baseball. So we should probably do that. Yes, we should. Something happened in 1978. Yep. Tell us about it. Well, let's see. By hitting his 200th home run, the Reds' second baseman, Joe Morgan, becomes the first major leaguer to hit 200 homers as well as steal 500 bases in in their career. Wow. The 200 home runs is not particularly spectacular. No. But but when you put that together with 500 stolen bases? Yep. That's incredible. And, I mean, there's players nowadays that I, I definitely think may join Joe Morgan in that club. Well, Henderson had 200 home mm-hmm. runs, didn't he? Yeah. Sure. But I'm thinking, I think Trout's got a legit shot at that. I mean, he's got over the 200 home runs. I don't know where he stands in the stolen base category, but the fact he probably has another eight years, I think, at least. Yeah, at least. Um, he'll, he'll make it close, if not join that club not just 500 steals is that's quite an accomplishment and what what did henderson steal like 2000 something like that he was amazing and and he was a guy that would hit with power too yeah yeah i know he had more than 200 home runs i remember watching henderson play against the tigers in a game and and you know it was probably george kelsis Oh no, he's on first base. You might as well put him on third. <laughs> yeah, and, right. and sure enough, he stole second. A couple pitches later, he stole, he stole third base. Yeah. So, uh, what a threat! Anyway. Ricky Henderson had 297 career home runs to go with. Um, I will find these stolen bases eventually. <laughs> but speaking of Ricky Henderson, he's yeah. a part of our next. Uh, this day in baseball history, in 1982, Henderson breaks Lou Brock's 1974 single-season record of 118 stolen bases in a 5-4 loss to Milwaukee. The A's outfielder will finish the season with 130 stolen bases, but ends that day with 122 after taking four bases in the contest. Wow, stealing four in a game. Wasn't it? Wasn't he the guy also that hit so many uh, leadoff homers, leading yep. off innings? He, yep. uh, uh, he was known for that. I, I don't know what. And the that's why was his or... RBI total wasn't as impressive yeah. as I think it could have been. But when you hit leadoff and you hit a home run, well, <laughs> bases are empty. You score one run, <laughs> but you only get one RBI. Well, Ethan, I'm going to talk to Kurt about something that. You, you don't remember because it happened in the 68 series. You remember Brock stealing bases sure. against the Tigers? You know, they'd pick him off at first base, and before Cash could get the ball out of his glove and get it down there, Brock was standing on second base. Just yeah. an amazing, amazing base stealer. Yeah. He what was else? a hard guy to yeah. hold. Hard guy to hold. Oh, for sure. Do you remember a guy that played with us in our league for a long time, Tim Allard? Oh, yeah. He Tim's was a good best. friend. Yeah. And he, he, I don't think he's pitching anymore, but I played with him a couple seasons. And if he came up against a good hitter and he knew the guy and he had trouble getting the guy out, he would walk him. I swear he did it intentionally. Sure he did. And he'd pick him off first. <laughs> Because yeah. that's the only way he could get him out. But he, they called him the human rain delay. He, he would hold the ball so long, he'd get into his set, and he'd wait, and he'd wait. And finally, the guy was leaning and leaning, take a bad step, and Tim would get him. Tim's a very good pitcher, uh, yes. but like the rest of us, has uh, had some ailments as he's gotten older, and it's caused him to not play. However, I think he's uh, Tim may be coming back next year and maybe playing in the older league. 
That'd be great. I don't know if Tim's old enough to play 65s, but he certainly could play in the 55s. Sure. Hey, uh, you have something else regarding a, 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 a former Detroit Tiger. I do. In uh, 2011, Justin Verlander becomes the first pitcher to win 20 games before the start of September since Diamondbacks pitcher Kurt Schilling reached the milestone in 2002. Verlander at this time is 20-5. and five. He, gives up four, he gives up four runs on eight hits along with six strikeouts and three walks in a victory where the Tigers beat the Twins 6-4 to four at Target Field. And these days, that's a poor showing for Verlander, right? Yeah. I mean, yeah. He, yep. In a pitch uh, last week against the Tigers, gave up two hits and lost two to one. Yep. And uh, although Verlander right now could reach a milestone by the end of the end of the season, regular season, he is at two thousand nine hundred and forty-five strikeouts, I believe. He has a legit shot at getting to three thousand in my wow. in my eyes before the end of this year. And I believe he has 15 wins so far, right? Yep. He is actually still in my in the hunt for the pitching triple crown. He is first in strikeouts. He is second in ERA, only behind teammate uh, Garrett Cole by under one uh, run. And he is two wins off the pace for first. Honestly, if he is able to pick up a win tonight, he'll be one win off the pace. And yeah, yeah. it's just unbelievable what he's been able to do since going to Houston. He's practically been Verlander of early in his career. Yeah, well, it makes a difference. You have guys behind you who can catch the ball, and you know that they're not counting on you for everything, right? Yeah. They, you know, Verlander, has, I mean, look at, look at the other pitchers in that rotation. You know, it's it's an it's an all star rotation, and it is nice. When he went there too, they were they were on their way to the World Series, and it's nice to have something to play for. Right. And I think a, a big game pitcher like that, yeah. he, that's what he wants for sure. Well, and they don't win that World Series without him. No, you're right. When when that game was over the other night, he refused to talk to one of your uh, yeah, one of your former uh, colleagues. You know him, Anthony Fennick. Yeah, 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 and he's a good guy. And I, I, I read the story. Uh, the Free Press sports editor uh, wrote a column about it. I read the whole thing, and I'm still not totally. <laughs> I don't still don't totally understand uh, why Verlander had this bone to pick with Anthony Fennick. It, it it really surprises me because they're both easygoing guys, uh, laid back guys. Um, I don't think there was any any huge uh, conflict between them. Uh, it was something they they had, I think, in a private interview, and um, and, and I just uh, I'm just a little, still a little bit confused as to why uh, as to why Verlander didn't want Anthony in that room, which is against baseball rules, uh, collective bargaining rules, everything baseball writers rules, I should say. So uh, it, it was just an, an odd, uh, an odd thing. I thought. Did that ever ever happen in your career, where when you were covering like the Lions, where they would say, "We don't want this guy in here"? No, but Chris Spielman threw a shoe at me once. <laughs> <laughs> sort of my claim to fame. Was he mad or was he messing with he you? He was. <laughs> he was a little mad. I think I had. It was a preseason game. I remember the play, um, and. Um, he was playing linebacker. They usually didn't have him playing in coverage situations. That's not what he did best. Uh, but uh, he gave up a, 
uh, I think it was a, a short touchdown pass, um, the guy that he was allegedly covering. And I wrote that. And the next day, he uh, confronted me about it in the locker room because guys like to do that in front of their, you know, everybody else in the locker room. And I said, well, from what I understood and from what I learned, it was your guy. And he he wasn't, you know, really total. I don't think he really wanted to nail me with the shoe, but he fired the shoe at me. <laughs> and then I went back, you know, when I done in the locker room, I went back to the press room to go to work. And about 15 minutes later, he came up and apologized. He said, that was my guy. I, I appreciated him coming up and saying it, but sure. why didn't he say it in front of the, the rest of the guys in the locker room uh, instead of just you know trying to make me look like a dope? Well, uh, there were plenty of chances for that. You know, sometimes we do things, especially in sports, that we regret because we're so in, into it. Right? Yeah, Even right. at our age, I was just a I was just a jerk on the field the other day, and I feel awful about it. Oh, when the, the, on the infield fly rule. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But um, I'm still not sure how one umpire can call an infield fly and the other one says it isn't, so it isn't. You know. Yeah. Make yeah. make a, you know. Let's let's stick together, boys. It's a judgment call, and somebody's. You know, I don't know what to do now. Anyway. I don't understand that rule where you don't have to call it. You just you you point at it. Right. Well, the fielder. Fielders can't look at to see if the umpire's got his arm up pointing at the pop up, so I don't know why they don't want to just call infield fly rule and then everybody knows what it is. Yeah, well, uh, anyway, I was a little too intense. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, I want to. If you're watching anybody else from that game, I apologize. It wasn't that bad. <laughs> well, uh, what do you think about the Tigers in the most recent week? They won a couple in the last week. They did. They did. But I, I'm on the train that. As much as it's always great to see the Tigers win, I need them to lose right now. I need us to secure that number one pick. Oh, we got it. It's. I don't know. Baltimore could just completely—I mean, they've been playing better as of late, but they could crap out, and the Tigers could start winning. And unfortunately, if they tie with the same record, the Tigers will have the two pick because they had a better record the previous year. That's thankfully how we actually got the number one pick. Here's the deal. When we got Mize. Here's why you have nothing to worry about. Okay. I'm ready. Baltimore plays in the East. Yeah, the Yankees are running away with it. Mm-hmm. They got they got nothing to play for. They can't. They're not going to be a spoiler in the Central where we play. Mm-hmm. Minnesota and Cleveland are are battling, right? Minnesota and Cleveland are not going to let the Tigers up, and they're going to play the Tigers a lot in the next yeah. few weeks. The Tigers will probably get swept at least in one of those series. Now, my wife is worried that the Tigers won't win four more games because if they don't win, it's either three or four more, they're going to they're gonna at least tie the record for the most losses ever in the modern era. So I, think I, I don't think they're going to get that record, but I don't think they're going to win much more than four or five more. Well... You, you bring up the Tigers being in the central, and that should be, you know, why they should finish in last. I don't know. The AL East is, okay, the division winner pretty much decided with the Yankees. But you have Tampa Bay and Boston both still going at that wild card spot. Well, both those teams play against Baltimore a good amount before it's, that it's season mainly ends. mainly Tampa Bay and Oakland playing for that spot. You, you got four teams right now. One being a half game, 
safe in that first wild card to being six out. In my opinion, all four of those teams are fighting because, as we said, Cleveland plays uh, Minnesota, and they're still fighting for the division. If Cleveland slips up, Cleveland could easily fall out of the top two. If you're uh, Boston, you got games coming up against the the Rockies, the uh, Orioles, and another team that if you're able to sweep those series, one I think is only a two-game series, but either way, if you sweep those, you could very much be within a game or two games of the top wild card spot. Tampa Bay is only they're in right now, but I think they only have a half game lead over Oakland. Right. Yeah. So those those four teams are either going to beat up on each other. So I mean, they all have stuff to play yeah, for. It I don't. It still could I don't be know. anybody. You're right. Yeah. Hey, who do you like uh, that the Tigers? Uh, anybody from the Tigers impress you? Any of these young guys impressing you? I'm I'm still on the board with Harold Castro. I like him. Um, I like the versatility he's had. Hey, we, we agree on somebody. We I do. like him. I know. I like Harold Castro a lot. Yeah. I, I like him in center field. I like him more on the infield, but for the fact that we've needed uh, him in the outfield for now, and he's been able to man the position above average, that, that, that sold, that's good defensively. Offensively, I would like to see less strikeouts, but he's still a younger guy. I think that's why you see so many strikeouts yeah. among these these guys they've brought up is it, the pitching's tougher. Yeah, it's much tougher. And you know, my goodness, please swing at something close to the strike zone. I was just going to bring up watching yeah. uh, the Tiger broadcast a few days ago. I'm not really sure. Oh, it's the day that Verlander pitched against the Tigers, and Ronnie Rodriguez first came to the plate. I loved how they perfectly explained his approach. He's not an aggressive hitter. He's a hitter with no patience. He's a hitter with no idea of where the strike zone is. And, and, the, ball and then, he, the ball he hit out against Verlander was a breaking ball. That was hung over the middle it of the plate. It was middle, middle of the plate, and yeah, yeah. E- even a minor league ball player is going to hit that pitch. Yeah. Well, Ronnie Rodriguez hit it. He explained <laughs> well, if, it perfectly right If there. you look at the Tigers, other than Miggy, everybody that's on the field is double-A, triple-A player. Everybody. I'll say Harold Castro could be on a major league team, even if it wasn't the Tigers. Well, I, but but he, yeah. wouldn't, he wouldn't be an everyday guy. Yeah. But he would still be a utility guy. And but what, around the horn, other than Jordy Mercer, who's a journeyman. Yeah. What, what about what about the uh, the right fielder they got in the uh, Demerit? in the trade? Yeah, is he? He's I doing mean, I've well. been watching him, but I haven't been watching that I'm closely. Not, I'm, I'm still not sold on him. He's, is that right? Yeah. I, I think he's a Victor Reyes type of guy. He's, Reyes is doing well. If you look at his numbers, Reyes is Reyes, Reyes is also a younger guy who I'm glad they are they have been developing more at AAA, and I think next year he could be a you know full time outfielder for mm-hmm. the Tigers. Demerit. I, I just don't like it because he's been developing in the minors for years. He's already, I believe, going to be going into his 27th age year next year. And to me, he still looks like a double-A player. E. He doesn't have the best approach. And defensively, he seems to be a slightly above-average defender. And there's nothing that sticks out with him. No, I mean, his speed doesn't stick out to me. His arm doesn't stick out to me. There's nothing that he excels in that makes him a 
outlier if you were comparing two or three minor leaguers we, right now? We, we shall see. Because I, I actually like him. I think uh, he's been a good addition. Um, and I, I think Castellanos is happy to be gone. He's having he's he's doing, finally hitting home runs. Yeah, he's yeah. doing well, and he's got over a 400 on base percentage over in uh, Chicago. I think he's hit eight eight homers since he's been gone. Eight or nine, yeah. Yeah, he's yeah. He, you know so it, it's been good for everybody. Uh, these guys, the the young guys that are on the Tigers, even though they're predominantly minor league guys, have been interesting to watch. You can see how Rogers, the catcher, isn't is not ready for big league pitching. But he he's a big league catcher. Yep. At at the position he can catch, and he's got some power. Yeah, and which is good to see. But too many strikeouts. Yeah. Well, as we know, there are certain guys we face at our at our advanced age that they've got a good breaking ball yeah. and they can change speeds. It's tougher to hit. Now right. imagine multiply that times ten. You know these guys are throwing. We got we see guys throwing. You know, somebody who throws hard, like Ed Kleeman, maybe is the yes. hardest guy we see in the 65s, who throws maybe 60 miles an hour, right? Right. Imagine it at 90. And then breaking off, break, breaking <laughs> off a curveball that's faster than the, the fastest pitches we see at our age. Yeah. So and it, it's a big adjustment. And, and uh, these guys are talented. You know, I don't want to—you know, we can sit here. It's really easy to sit here and criticize them, but these guys are good. Yeah. I think I think Rodgers will figure it out over the next few years. He, he needs yeah. he But needs I don't think he's ready to play Major League Baseball as a hitter yet. Yeah. The guy I like, and neither one of you mentioned, probably because he's not with the team right now, is uh, Jacoby Jones. Yeah. If he could hit as well as he can— Run and as well as he can play defense, yeah. man, well, bef- he would just be yeah. another Joe DiMaggio. Before he went out on this uh, last injury, uh, he, he the bat was starting to pick up yeah. a little mm-hmm. bit. Mid mid season, he was hitting pretty well. Yeah, that was good to see. Well, let's hope for good things there. Yeah, you know, I think there's a I think there's some potential. There's certainly a lot of potential in the minor leagues with pitching. Yep. Yeah. Speaking, uh, speaking of, that, of pitching, the uh, Tigers minor league player of the year was announced this past week, and it was none other than right-handed pitcher from Erie, Matt Manning, who has 11 wins and five losses on the year, leads the, I believe, the AA Eastern League in strikeouts. It's either him or Fiedo, one of the two of them. He has does. 148. Let me see what Fiedo has. Fiedo has, only has 70. Uh, no, wait, that's Mize has 76. Yeah. I didn't look up Fiedo. Yeah, Fi- Fi- I know Fiedo and Manning were going back and forth uh, between the lead. I Manning. believe Manning is because Fiedo's been on the shelf for a few weeks now. Um, but yeah, so Matt Manning is the Tigers 2019 Minor League Player of the Year. And that double A rotation right now. If that rotation is in AAA and then eventually in the majors, it's a dangerous rotation that the Tigers could have six years of control of with uh, Mize, Manning, Fiedo, Scubal, and uh, Burroughs. Wentz. Oh. I'm, I'm keeping Burroughs out. He's been injured. I don't know what's going to happen with him. And as we kind of talked about in the office a few days ago, Bo Burroughs uh, could be in that Rule 5 draft if the Tigers don't put him on the uh, 40 man this offseason. So, yeah. you, you got you got flexibility. It'll be interesting to see where everyone ends up at the start of next year. Here's here's something that even beyond the strikeouts that stuck out to me with Manning, is he's only walked 38 batters in 133 innings. So that's that's pretty good. That you know that's 
It's That's really telling good. you he has command of his pitches. <clears throat> mm -hmm. He gets a lot of strikeouts, and his whip is under one. So, yep. pretty darn good. Well, they, they could have a rotation almost as good as the one that they had before, <laughs> before they traded uh, what's his name to uh, to Washington, or they didn't uh, trade Scherzer. him. Yeah. Sign, yep. yeah, Scherzer, yeah, uh, Scherzer, Scherzer, Porcello, Porcello, Verlander, Verlander. Price. Yeah, and yeah that was quite a and rotation. And you had Fisker in that, but. The, the only difference that would be between that rotation and this rotation is you control. would have control for more years, yep. and you'd also be shelling out less money over, the, over those years. And speaking of how good M Matt Manning has been with strikeouts to walks, I think if you look at that whole rotation, it's been incredible with how many strikeouts they've been able to accumulate with the least amount of walks that they've been doing. But the guy who's been sticking out that whole rotation, in 39 and two-third innings, Tariq Skubal has 78 strikeouts at Erie. He's only walked 15. Mm. Yeah, and he's he's the kind of the latecomer to the to the dance yeah. as far as the uh, He's getting 17.7 strikeouts per nine, and in six of his eight outings that he's done at Erie, he has struck out more than 10 batters. Wow. So Fantastic. You have power arms that have shown control this year that have been quickly moving up. Okay. There's something I, I need to ask Okay, before we note that uh, Casey Mize has been shut down. And I have to ask Kurt this because this is, this is a, a question near and dear to my, my heart since you know I'm new to this uh, media stuff. Ira Strickstein tells me that before the games for the media there's food do they feed you guys <laughs> <laughs> i haven't covered baseball what about football full -time. the football games do they feed you they have yeah they they uh, they do they do because it's it's really just sort of a courtesy because we all have to be there so early you can't get stuck in the crowd the last minute crowd See, to get to the game on time so you have to be there two or three hours before game time so as a courtesy they'll give you this nice is a reason meal. for people to go into journalism <laughs> yes it is fringe benefit right there. i love it <laughs> yeah if there's food involved <laughs> count me in well that and you get to watch the sport jess well that's and that's okay you what? know uh they should feed you a lot for having had to watch the Lions. <laughs> you know, everybody says that, but I really enjoyed, and I covered them for 28 years. I saw every game that, that Billy Sims played. I saw every game mm -hmm. that Barry Sanders played. I saw Wayne Fonts, his hijinks, you know, during practice, uh, during games. He was he was a riot. Uh, it was, I really... It would have been nice if they'd have won more than one playoff game during those 28 years that I covered them. Uh, but it was still, uh, to me, it was the best beat in the Free Press Sports Department. I, it's what I wanted to do, and I really enjoyed it. And the Lions, uh, they weren't all that successful, as we know, as a team, but there were a lot of good there were a lot of good people. Doug English was on that team. Bubba Baker was on that team. Oh, Benny, yeah. Benny Blades, Chris Spielman, Jerry Ball. Jerry Ball is just a riot. I talked to him on the phone a couple of nights ago, and he, he's still the same old Jerry. You know, he, cool. he ran the locker room. I mean, it was his locker room. And that, that was the thing about Wayne Fonts, too. Uh, I'll get back to the food in a minute. <laughs> but, <laughs> but the thing, Fonts ran the best locker room I have ever seen 
by any coach. Um, he took care of the players. They knew he was he was he had their back anytime and every time. And uh, anybody new came into that locker room and they knew that Jerry Ball was a Wayne Fonts guy, Lois Brown was a Wayne Fonts guy, uh, Herman Moore, Barry. They were all Wayne Fonts guys, and everybody fell right in line. Uh, but the, yeah, the Lions had uh, they would uh, make food available. I'm I'm not sure. I retired 14 years ago. They may have changed that, and uh, I think either in baseball or football, one of them. I think the writers have to pay a, a nominal fee for the ah. for the. For okay, the I'm out. Lunch. If I have to buy, <laughs> you can do that anywhere. <laughs> okay, we have a baseball question for you regarding food. Hot dogs. Yeah. Mustard or ketchup. Well, I'll get run out of here probably, but I'm a ketchup guy. Oh. Or oh. both. Oh. Or both. Oh. I will oh. I will go with both. I will go with both. I can see why but you were I gotta covering have football. Ketchup. I got to have ketchup. Yeah, <laughs> it's got to be mustard. Come on. So, uh, we, we, we get off the Lions here in a minute, but everybody in Detroit is interested in the sure. Lions. Uh, I happen to run into, um, I happen to introduce myself to Lomas Brown at a college night at the high school where my son attended. Mm-hmm. This was a few years ago when Joe was probably in 11th grade. What a nice guy. Yes. What a real nice guy. He really is. And I, I think he helps uh, coaching at the high school, too. So that's, Does he? that's yeah. cool. You know, I, don't, I know they don't make a ton of money doing that. So no, uh, no. He, he must still love the game. Yeah, he really does. And he uh, he's uh, he's slid right into that uh, the color commentator thing yep. with Dan Miller, and he does a, a real good job. And, and a, a Jim Brandstetter, who did it, who preceded him mm-hmm. in that role, I thought did a, a really good yeah. job too. And a lot of people don't like the technicalities when the when the color man talks and technicalities about the, the you know the the formations or who's coming up and who's dropping back. And I think that's good. I yeah. Brandstetter did it, Lomas does it, and I just think it's good. And I think Lomas has fit in there really well. And uh, I think he's just, he's doing a nice job. Well, once again, we're going to remind ourselves of our age. For me, <laughs> the broadcaster for the Tigers, the ultimate broadcaster, has to be Ernie Harwell. To me, the ultimate broadcaster for the Lions was Van Patrick, because that's who I grew up listening to. And the ball's on the 45 going left to right across your uh, radio Good dial, man. you know. Just... I just love the way he called the games. I got to Detroit in 1965 uh, when I graduated University of Iowa. <clears throat> Came to work here in Detroit, and Van Patrick. I think that was toward the end of his career here. But I, I always liked his call on field goals. It's up. It's in the right direction. It's good. <laughs> I was glad it was in the right direction. But he was, yeah, he was, uh, he was good. Hey, um, we have somebody on the line. No, no, not, he's not, yet, here not yet? yet. We're okay, still well, waiting for that phone call. As I mentioned, the Tigers put Casey Mize on the shelf for the rest of the season. No yep. indication of an injury. I think you're just nope, trying to limit his innings, yep. right? It's a precautionary tale. Nothing yes. wrong with that. I'm I'm happy with that. There's a lot of money invested there, and uh, he's the future. He's not. Uh, we're not trying to win the World Series at Erie. We're trying to. Well, they're trying to make the playoffs for the yeah, first time since. Uh, I think they will. Yeah, they're doing well. And uh, uh, speaking of uh, winning the World Series, this last week, yes. the Little League World Series was won by Louisiana. Yeah, and they uh, they pulled off a heck of a run because they came in, they lost their first game, and of course, the Little League World Series, you have to lose two originally to be eliminated. 
once you get to the U.S. Uh, championship and the uh, championship game, you only have to lose once. And um, Louisiana had lost their first game, and they worked their way all the way back to the U.S. championship game where they ended up beating Hawaii. So Hawaii, who was undefeated up to that point, of course, they got to play now in the third place game. On the other side, Curacao uh, had also lost a game. I don't believe it was their opening game. I believe they lost their second game. And they faced off against Japan in the international championship. They beat Japan, who was also undefeated at that point. And uh, Louisiana ended up beating Curacao 8 to nothing. And uh, Louisiana's one of their players, Reese Roussel, set a Little League World Series record for most hits in the tournament. Uh, he hit his 15th, which which set the record in the U.S. championship game. Wow, 15 hits. Some of those little I, kids are just amazing. Yeah. yeah. Here's, here's uh, you know, this is, what, 12-year-olds, basically 12, so 10, year, the, 10 to 12 years old? This year was the last year that they were doing 10 to 13. Next year, it's only going to be 10 to 12-year-olds. And I believe next year is also when they're expanding the field. So there is going to be Good. 20, 20 total teams. Oh, I, you're talking about the field of teams. The field of teams. I, I'm As big as these kids are, and there's some big kids out mm -hmm. there, I don't think 60 feet is long enough. For the base pass? Yeah. Well, and the only thing that I, I would like to see, but it's probably a little league rule, and that's the only reason why I'm fine with it, is I would like to see, you know, stealing opportunities for the base runners. I think it would make the game more interesting. The only rule that Little League has is you can't leave the base until the ball meets, you know, the plate. And in my in my vision, that gives a disadvantage to the runner. I think, you know, so if there they, should... If I they think, lengthen the base pass, they'd be able to take a lead off and steal? Yeah, and I think, think that so? would also be a great way for the pitchers to learn earlier on how to properly pick off. Right. I think it's a great thing because you see during these games, the catcher receives the ball, he immediately stands up and starts pump fake, or yeah, pump faking to every base because he's like, I know somebody may take off now. I think it puts the hitter, not the hitter, the runner at a huge disadvantage. I think it'd be more exciting if they could. Well, I Maybe seventy-five feet, something in between. Yeah, 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 that'd be great. I think that'd be good. Um, in the seventh grade, I know. Remember, Joe played uh, middle school baseball, mm -hmm. and the the bases, I believe, were eighty feet. Okay. And that, that's there's a difference in eighty and mm -hmm. ninety, but it's still long enough to give you know give the the catcher the opportunity to throw a guy out. Yep. Um, that's just just my opinion. I, I like the I like the idea of stealing. I also like that the little league umpires have a little wider strike zone. We need that in MSBL, especially <laughs> last week. Uh, that's because you were pitching. Yeah, it is. And I uh, pitching you're, is you're being charitable. I struggled uh, Saturday. Well, and the interesting part with the little league World Series and the umpires, they can only umpire for one time. Once the or I should say, one, not one time, but one tournament. Once they umpire for one Little League World Series, they can never umpire for it again. So they get a lot of umpires that opportunity to uh, experience that setting and umpiring in that setting. Yeah. I wonder why that is. 
Yeah. I hey, mean, if I, they're if they're the best umpires, I would. Well, maybe maybe uh, maybe Scott can tell us. I believe Scott's on the telephone. Scott Green, are you with us? I sure am. Hey, good to have you, Scott. Welcome back. Did, Thank you. Uh, everybody survived the beach last week. Uh, yeah, nobody uh, got swept away or eaten by any sharks. Well, that's good. You know, it was Shark Week recently on uh, whatever that is, Discovery Channel. We've we've uh, uh, recorded all those shows, and last night we watched one called Big Blue. It was about the this big, uh, great white shark called Big Blue. So I, I you know, I, when I think about you at the beach with those little ones, I, it worries me. Yeah. Uh, well, thank you for worrying, but don't worry. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, we were just talking about the Little League World Series. Did you watch it? I watched the final. I thought it was excellent. Uh, those kids, and I, I, as a matter of fact, I uh, I don't know any of the kids or the people, but I have so many great friends down in New Orleans, uh, which will lead into another story, by the way. And I know where those kids play, and I just think it's fabulous. They're, it's uh, They play on the East Bank, and it's uh an interesting part of town and I'm so happy for them and all my friends down in Louisiana which leads into the other thing uh, next week I think on the second or third or whatever maybe the fourth they're playing the last games ever at Zephyr Field Um, the Zephyrs changed their name to the Baby Cakes for whatever reason which did not help sales (laughs) and uh, they are moving to Wichita, Kansas oh no uh, yeah, there will be no baseball in New Orleans for the first time in a very, very long time. And from what I understand, they're just going to let the place go to seed, and that's it. I mean, it's done. And that was a place that we played at pre-Katrina, after Katrina, and for uh, 12 or 13 years, and was the only city we went to twice a year. We played there in, October, in uh, March and October, and I have great friends in New Orleans. It's still my favorite American city. And the, the ballpark, we saw it as years went by. They were doing, no one was spending any money on the upkeep of the park, unfortunately. And uh, it just got to the point it deteriorated. And I'm not going to lie to you, New Orleans ain't exactly the biggest baseball town in America. It's still a football state. And uh, they just couldn't get the fans, and they make they went for a name change, which they ended up selling a lot of merchandise to. But they were only drawing hundreds of people at the game, and it's unfortunate because I I got a very dear close friend who's the uh, clubhouse manager, and he's got a wife and three kids, and just built a house there, and he may be moving to Wichita. And let's face it, and I'm. If anybody's from Wichita, I've never been there, but I'm going to tell you right now, I'm sure it ain't New Orleans. <laughs> <laughs> hey, uh, uh, Scott, uh, we have in the studio with us a friend of mine by the name of Kurt Sylvester, who was the beat writer for the Detroit Lions for, I believe, 28 years. Wow. And, and there's a there's a football story uh, this week. Uh, Andrew Luck retired. What do you think? Yeah. Um, you know, I did pay some attention to that. I've sort of fallen out of favor with the NFL, to be honest with you. I used to be a Jets season ticket holder. Um, but, you know what, good for him. Uh, you got to live, uh, you got a long life to live on this planet Earth. And uh, he doesn't owe anybody a damn thing. And uh, he owes it to his family, uh, to his own personal health. And if it got to the point of, uh, you know, repetition and uh, 
uh, it was just too much adversity, then good for him. I'm, uh, I, I'm 100% behind his decision, and uh, I don't know how the fans are reacting, but he doesn't know anybody anything. And, uh, you know, I hope he has a good retirement. I hope he's healthy. I mean, I know a lot of, let's face it, football today, because it's so fast and so furious, it's a tough sport to play. And, you know, health is an issue, and I'm happy the guy retired. What do you think, I, Kurt? Yeah, I I tend to go along uh, with the, with the same way of thinking. It's uh, we all know it's a brutal game, but I don't think we realize how brutal it is until you're down on the same level, on field level, and you see the force of the collisions. I mean, it is brutal. It is really, truly brutal, and a, and a and a quarterback is pretty much defenseless for the most part. He's trying to get rid of the football and you know trying to not throw off his back leg and do everything right. And uh, I mean, the punishment that those guys take is just uh, amazing. I remember when Chuck Long. Uh, was drafted by the Lions, and of course he's a University of Iowa guy, so he was near and dear to my heart. But uh, and and people were saying that he couldn't take it. Well, he took more punishment back there than anybody, and he just kept getting up and coming right back. And you know he'd get whacked again. But I mean their their offensive line could not pass block. Uh, and then uh, Darrell Rogers took him to. Uh, uh, Lacrosse, Wisconsin, for when they were working out with the Saints over there, and uh, he he ran out of arms. So I mean, basically, Chuck Long was he was doing all the throwing, uh, and uh, there he wasn't taking punishment in in training camp. But I mean, he he took it during the season, and I think uh, to a great extent that's what Andrew Luck was uh, was going through. I mean, he had a ton of injuries, and if if he decides, wait a minute. I don't want to go through the rest of my life hobbling or you know mentally restricted from uh, from uh, from you know head injuries, concussions. Good for him. The timing probably wasn't wasn't good. I was there when Barry Sanders retired uh, the day before our training camp started, and his teammates to a man loved him, but some of them resented the fact. That his timing was bad because he really left him without a chance to to replenish the running game. Yeah, that that happens. You yeah. know, I, I don't know if you saw on 60 Minutes this week the story about Tim Green, who is no, suffering from ALS. Oh yeah, uh, and who uh, you'd have to say that's attributed to his 10 plus concussions, and this poor man uh, who's dealing with it. But was still asked, do you have any regrets? And he said, no. He goes, you don't know what it's like to be on the field and there's 50,000 people cheering for you. But I'm sorry. Uh, I have to tell you, we didn't let our son play football. And just, a, that we just weren't going to let him play. It's there's, becoming there's, more and, common. Uh, yeah. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't want the, the possibilities of, of injuring him. You know, he became a golfer and a, you know, a, a championship caliber golfer. But we didn't want him playing football. And I looked at that story this week on 60 Minutes and I, you know, it brought a tear to my eye. I mean, this handsome young man he's dealing at the, he's in the back throes of ALS right now and wow. and it's it's sad. It's very sad. I mean, what is the what is the career of an NFL, NFL player? Was it 2.7 years? I mean, you know, no one's playing 22 years anymore. No. And uh, so yeah. it, it's, you know, as far as Andrew Luck is concerned, good for him. Have a great retirement. You'll 
you'll be in broadcasting or something else within two years, or you'll be doing something. You'll always be around the game. Be a coach, and and you know go that route. You know, stay involved with the game, but doesn't mean you gotta take the punishment uh, anymore. And I I, I I think he made the without a doubt made the right choice. Scott, so. what's your what's what's uh, going on with play at the plate? When's your next tournament? Our next tournament is three weeks from the three weeks. Yeah, three weeks. I may. I'm sorry. The 13th to 15th of September is our tournament in Cooperstown, and then the following week, which is almost sold out, I'm happy to say, uh, is our event at the uh, ballpark in Arlington, Globe Life Park in Texas. And then we have we'll finish up in October in. Rickwood Field in Birmingham, Alabama. But just quickly, as uh, before you let me go, uh, the St. Louis Cardinals have won 14 out of 18, and uh, they're starting to make a believer out of me. I watched a uh, game last night, <laughs> which, which I have not been. I haven't, I haven't been on the show once and said, you know, we're an elite team, and we are not. I still rank the Cardinals as maybe the ninth or tenth best team in baseball, but they're making a nice little run right now, and if they can win tonight and tomorrow. They could pretty much knock the Brewers out of the race. Well, I, and, saw, uh, I saw Molina I hit one last night, and uh, yeah, so we'll see. If you're going to get hot, this is the time to get hot. So I saw Molina ball. hit one out last night. It was just a pretty, pretty swing. Yeah. Hey, it before was. as we let so you anyway. go, we're going to run your commercial. So here we go, Scott. Thanks for joining us. No problem. I'll see you guys uh, soon. I hope All and right. uh, have a safe and happy. Uh, Labor Day. Uh, Labor Day weekend. Yeah, it won't be too. as crazy uh, where you are as it is here, but have fun anyway. Okay, we'll try. See ya. Thanks. Thanks, Jess. Would you like to play some baseball? Do you still dream of playing on a major league field, experiencing the magic of places like Field of Dreams? For 15 years, Play at the Plate has been making dreams come true. Play at the Plate offers you the chance to play ball. Join us for a lifetime experience. Go to playattheplate.org or call Scott Green at 631-255-4475. That's 631-255-4475. Hey, it was good to have Scott on. Um, that's playattheplate.org. Uh, you know, my son and I have played uh, uh, at a couple of his tournaments. I have probably five of his tournaments now. There's nothing like playing with your kid on the baseball field. You know, it's it, it, I, the best memories I have, some of the best anyway, are, are throwing with my son when he was a little boy. And then now he's, he's a man. He's playing shortstop. He's throwing to me at first base, and it's just... It's just beautiful. Baseball is a beautiful game. If you if you're interested at all, he has tournaments all year long. Playattheplate.org. Go to the website, check it out. My son, I played my, with my son one time at a Tigers fantasy camp. Oh yeah. He had just gotten out of the Navy. He was all state at Gross Point North in high school. He just he'd been in the Navy, came out, and I was in Tampa covering a Super Bowl. So I had him come down, and we played together. And <laughs> what a difference. Uh, he was playing center field, and somebody hit a gap or something to the fence. He ran out there, retrieved it, and from the fence, threw it all the way to second base. You know, oh. And us fantasy campers just don't, <laughs> we don't do that, and we don't see that very often. But it was, uh, it was really a lot of fun. You're yeah, right. it's yeah. great playing with your son. Yeah. It's, it's a memory you won't forget. It's valuable. It's wonderful. Yeah. Well, uh, what's going on down on the farm there, Ethan? 
Well, um, you know, the season's starting to wrap up in the minors, but uh, we're going to highlight Bryant Packard, an outfielder who has who started the season at Connecticut and has worked his way all the way up to Lakeland. Um, he's a fifth-round draft pick in this last pre, this last draft, the 2019 draft, and uh, he ranks number 26 in the Tiger Farm system, according to MLB.com. So uh, his stats from Connecticut up through Lakeland, he has a 312 batting average with a .852 OPS, eight doubles, three homers, 16 RBIs, two stolen bases, 20 runs scored, and he has a 35 to 20 strikeout to walk ratio. That's okay. Yep. He's and coming along. Numbers look pretty good. At Lakeland, he's uh, you know only had a few at-bats, so yeah. it's hard to look at Lakeland. But even at that, he's knocked in some runs, and he scored. So, you know, I mean. And you're, you're seeing a good number of prospects from this past year's draft move from their first level, at least another level or, level or two levels, uh, with Riley Green, who moved from rookie ball all the way up now to West Michigan. And more than likely, we'll start next year at Lakeland. Um, and uh, the second-round pick, uh, Nick Cantina, has also moved up a level or two since the draft. So, well, I would imagine Green, and I see his numbers at West Michigan aren't aren't stellar. However, I don't think this kid's used to playing this much baseball, he, especially not at yeah. this level. Right? I mean, he he's coming from high school. He's there, there is definitely probably a bigger transition going from a high school to a professional career than it is going from a college to a professional career. At a college, you're practicing, you're conditioning every day from the fall through your season. I'm not sure if that's anywhere close to what you're doing at uh, the high school level. I was not around high school baseball. Um, well, high I've, school baseball, you're limited what you can do. Mm -hmm. and, and you are technically limited at college, but because you you know the, the thin line of what... Okay, so as a team, you're allowed to practice. Let's hypothetically say you're allowed to practice starting on this date and going till this date in the fall. But as a college athlete, you know your optional hitting, optional, you know, throwing, optional weightlifting days. They're not if, optional. If, if you're going to stick on that team, they're not optional. Yeah. You better be there. Exactly. But, you know, of course, the coaches have to take a step back and they can't be a part right. of this. But optional does not mean optional in college. Optional means if you're committed to the team, you want to stay on this roster, you're going to show up. You're going to put in the work, even when it's optional. When I was coaching yeah. summer ball, and uh, we had a few kids that were, you know, college caliber, and I always told them, if you play in college, it's not for fun. It's like a job, mm -hmm. and you're going to have to be in the weight room at six o'clock in the morning or five o'clock in the morning, yep. getting your getting your work out of the way, then going to classes, and then coming back and, and working again. Yeah, and, later it, in and the day. it was. It's. Con I mean, for Bowling Green, we in the winter, not winter, but end of the fall semester, it was conditioning at six in the morning. Then you would have. Uh, practice in the field house from any. I think it was like typically two to. Five, and then if it was, I think either a Tuesday, Thursday, you'd also have lifting right after practice, and it was you know that schedule for the fall, and then when you got into the spring, you of course had 
your game day, so mm-hmm. there was less, I believe, less lifting days, but you would still do the conditioning at the practice. You just wouldn't have the early morning conditioning. It'd be maintenance at that point rather yeah. than, yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's, it's, uh, that's work. you got to love it. you gotta, you got to want it. Let me ask you, I, I, you can see I have not been uh, closest, but uh, how's Gibson's son doing? He's, and where he's, is he he's now? at Erie. He's at Erie now? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Is he is he progressing? Is he working his way up? You don't often he's, hear his name mentioned. Yeah, and I, and I think the reason we're not hearing his name as much is there there hasn't been that that stride yet that where he is kind of taking that next step to yeah. where okay here's his chance to make a run at the big league club yeah defensively he's been good offensively there could be a step that needs to be taken i i think because he's progressed it seems like one level every year so next year hopefully mm-hmm. it's triple a um but now i'm kind of concerned because you see how quickly they've put Riley Green up levels. Oh, yeah. And then this international signing that they did this past um, period, although he has not played yet uh, in the Tigers minor league system, there is a is chance. Is that the 16-year-old? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Campos, I believe, okay. is the last name. He has a chance that I, I truly believe they'll probably start him at Connecticut if he can hit and show he can hit. There's a chance he could end up at Erie within a year and a half. Oh. So if you're an outfielder right now, I think there's more pressure on you to prove yourself, to move up, than there is on uh, an infielder. An infielder, we are not as, uh, we don't have as much depth. Outfield, we're starting to develop a lot more depth and a lot more talent there. You got Parker Meadows and Riley Green, who both are kind of, you know, they're platooning in center field when one's not in center, the other's either in left or right. It's going to be interesting because both those guys have tremendous bat ability, and they got great fielding. So it's it's going to be interesting to see. Well, we we have to we have to move along we to do. something we do. very very important. The most important segment of the show, as far as I'm concerned, as I mentioned to Kurt, if there's food involved, I'm all over it. <laughs> yeah. The, so at but it's Texas, a, but it's a bittersweet day. Jess, this is our thirty. This is our last ballpark. Oh, well, and they're about to tear it down. They're going to build yeah, a new one. Yeah, you know, one. Per- perfect timing. So Globe Life Park in uh, Texas, in Arlington? Tell me about it. So we've gone with these two foods. The first one is the Right Field Bacon Bombs. I love the name. Anything with bacon has to be good. And so what these are, are these are provolone cheese wrapped in strips of bacon, deep fried until crispy perfection, served with sweet baby raised barbecue sauce. When I like that barbecue sauce, by the way. Okay, so they got to give you a fork or something to eat it with, though, because you just can't. I don't like to be sticky. Well, I don't think it'd be as sticky. I think it's gonna be more, you know, that that feel. I wouldn't call it sticky, but almost uh, greasy. I, I, I hate I hate that feeling. Even though I lo- I, I love bacon, I'm gonna have to I, stop on my way home for lunch. <laughs> we, we say that every week. We have this segment, and we're all starving. Yeah. By the time this is over, we have to get something to eat. And in the vending machine, the best thing in the vending machine here is peanut butter and crackers. So that's you know, it's not the same. I, 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 I don't know. The pretzels are pretty good. Oh, the pretzels. Okay. Yeah. You guys should run a a, a, a vote sometime. 
on what what is the best food in the world. I swear, bacon. Yeah, I, if bacon. I had to pick one food, I think it would be bacon. Okay. Well, what what else we we have any and other foods from Arlington? We got the. RWB hot dog, which stands for the red, white, and blue hot dog. Using best made pickles, they've created a combination of savory, sweet, and spicy. Using glorious gherkins relish in Texas Rangers red and blue colors on plump Texas chili. It's an all-beef hot dog served with Lay's potato chips. It looks pretty. It does. Do they have a veggie burger, a veggie hot dog version? Not sure. Well, because, you know. But, you know, if it's a veggie hot dog version, it's probably the colors just as the hot dog. Yeah, okay. You know, uh, Kurt, they had at Comerica, they have a veggie hot dog. Really? And on our first show, I talked about it, and these guys made fun of me. It's, it, it, it's not we made fun of it because it was a veggie hot dog. We made fun of it because the veggie hot dog, in my opinion, looked like a comic strip from the newspaper and just deep fry it. <laughs> it, it, it did not. It did not look appealing at all. Yeah. Um, although Jess did defend it by saying that you know he put enough mustard, mustard on it that it you know you really couldn't tell. Yeah, it tasted like mustard and relish. <laughs> but you know, I, I felt better after I ate it because I've been trying not to eat the red meat and uh, stay away from the pork and uh, bacon and stuff. You know, I'm all the good stuff. Trying to be good to my body. I don't know that it's working. But uh, yeah, they're going to be tearing down Globe Life Park. So hopefully, they'll take these uh, these great menu items and move them over to the new stadium. Well, that's about all the time we have. Thank you, Kurt, for joining us. My pleasure. Ethan, Angel, and everybody in the booth, thank you. And for Baseball Mainly at nrmstreamcast.com, let's play two.